1: Good Morning Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Freiman.
0: And I'm Toby Howell. Neil, today is a special Memorial Day podcast. It's a holiday, which means there's not our typical news diet to consume. So we decided to shake things up a little bit. A lot of you guys have probably been listening to us for over 60 or 70 episodes at this point. Thank you for that. But you might not know a whole lot about us. So in the interest of getting to know your hosts a little better, Neil and I are actually going to interview each other
1: yes we're in a new studio we're on couches with ferns behind (laughs) us we've had a few cold brews uh so we're a little loose i'm super excited to get to know a little bit more about you and uh and our listeners too
0: i'm excited as well uh we're we're gonna get deep we're gonna we're gonna talk about our past and hopefully you guys enjoy it it's monday may 29th let's ride
1: All right. So for the first half of the show, I'm going to interview Toby, Toby Howell. The one and only. The one and the only. <laughs> All right. So to f- to start it off, I just tell the people how you ended up in the co-host chair next to me at the Morning Brew Daily podcast. And I know this could be a long story. So maybe start in Portland, Maine yeah, in twenty. 20- 2019,
0: 2020. Yeah. So I graduated college in 2019. Classic college story where I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I moved to Portland, Maine, of all places, to work at this small sports marketing startup. Um, And while I was there, that's when I started reading The Morning Brew. And actually, one of my friends said, like, Toby, like, you got to, you got to check us out. Like, this sounds exactly like you. You got to, you got to start reading it. And I did. I became obsessed with it and started trying to figure out, all right, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work how do i start working there um and so i actually cold emailed austin and alex who founded the morning brew i pitched you guys on a sports newsletter at first which was i I thought morning brew should have a sports newsletter basically you guys said we don't really want a sports newsletter but feel free to come in and audition or uh apply for the writer's role and so i did that i wrote a couple of newsletters actually like fake newsletters, sent them to you, Neil, and then I hopped on a bus from Portland, Maine to New York and interviewed for the job. And a few days later, I guess I I passed, passed the test and was hired as a writer. So Neil actually hired me in my first role at Morning Brew as a writer for the newsletter. Yeah.
1: I remember reading your uh, pitches, your your newsletters. I think I was like pretty buzzed on the, tr- on the subway <laughs> writing and I was reading them. I was like, man, this is really good. And I remember emailing Austin being like, we got to hire this guy. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Whatever whatever you're drinking that night. I, I appreciate that. Um, but then, yeah, I actually left Morning Brew for a little bit and then came back. Austin, who is the CEO of Morning Brew, was like, Hey, we're starting this podcast. Like, you want to come audition? Like, Neil's doing it. And it sounded really fun, actually. So, just one day I came in, we did a test run, actually, in this very room. And one thing led to another, and, and the podcast launched.
1: Was there ever a. Thi- you know a moment in the back of your head where even before this happened where you you know you were like i want i want to be a podcast oh.
0: host literally not even for a single second because we're, we were both like writers we were both used to being behind the keyboard behind the screen i truly thought i was not a very compelling person on air or on video or anything like that it just felt like one of those skills that yeah, just wasn't going to achieve but then once the opportunity came i was like oh what an awesome chance to actually hone this skill if i don't think i'm great at public speaking what a great way to improve upon that so it became this really exciting thing exciting tool to add kind of to the toolkit so looking back i'm super grateful for the opportunity but i had no idea or inkling whatsoever that i'd be a podcast host
1: do you feel like you've improved as a speaker from doing 60 70 pods
0: i mean I would imagine it's hard not to. If you do something every day for 60 or 70 times in a row, you're going to get better. So maybe off the top of my head, I can't think that of a specific thing. But honestly, certain things like getting information across in a clear and coherent way, I think I've improved at. I think it's made me a better writer too I don't know if you felt that as well because you just can really when you have to speak about something you truly have to understand it versus writing we've talked about this you can kind of get away with not fully understanding it so I think it's just made me a better kind of distiller of information in general
1: All right. So I want to get away from the podcast a little bit and go back to your college days. So you were the captain of the Brown soccer team, which is a division one soccer team during college. How did that shape your college
0: experience? Like, did you ever wish for a more normal college life? No, honestly. I mean, when I, you played sports growing up and I, I mean, I played sports kind of all the way in, into college, it was just so a part of my life that it wasn't a, the sort of thing where I felt jealous that other people were having more fun. Like it was just literally an integral part of my life. And then also, yeah, we still, still had fun. The one, the one thing that sports did through college that I think hindered me is when you go to college and you are on a sports team, you have a preset group of friends just waiting there. Like you'll have 20 to 25 guys that you know, are going to be your friends no matter what. So what it does, it makes you less inclined to like go out of your way and socialize with other people. So I think I only really figured that out. Like my last couple of semesters that like, there's this whole wide world beyond just like this, that, the world of athletes. Um, and I feel like I missed that a little mm. bit. So yeah, I, I, have zero regrets. It was like, awesome. I, I wish I could keep playing to this day, but my, my one regret was like, I should have been a little better about, uh, you know, meeting other people.
1: Was there ever a time where you thought you could go pro?
0: Yeah, I thought, Pretty much up until my last semester senior year of college that there was potentially a chance. Like, I had a decent junior year. Um, I knew I could probably play at a very fringe, fringe, like, MLS level. There was a very outside shot of that. But I probably could have played at one level beneath uh, the MLS. So, like, USL mm-hmm. uh, championship. Um, and then my senior year... the, the my body kind of started breaking down, like the injuries caught up and it quickly became apparent that that was not going to happen. And I made peace with it very quickly, but literally until that senior year started, there was a small part of me. It was like, I, if the opportunity's there, like I'd love to do it, but it seems like it's came and went. Yeah. Well, besides
1: soccer, you run a marathon, you run triathlons, you played high level sports. I'm just trying to figure out what motivates you what what draw you have such a competitive gene in you that I think yeah. most people don't you literally ran to Yankee Stadium from the East <laughs> Village for a game when we all the rest of us took a subway so like what what is it about you that makes you so competitive?
0: I kind of think it's very fun to be good at everything and so I've also often wrestled with this in myself uh, to me it's competence versus like Depth of of understanding of things like some people they devote their entire lives to one thing they became they become incredibly good at it. I've always thought it was very cool to step into a room, step into any situation, and just be like pretty dang competent at it. And so, like for the marathon thing, truly the thing that motivated me was I want to step up to a five K like the 4th of July five K or a Turkey trot and like have a chance of winning it. I just think that's cool to have like that fitness in the back pocket. So it's this weird thing. I know it's, I don't know why, but I just think it's fun to be able to like pick up a Rubik's cube and be able to do it. Like have a New York times crossword and be able to do that. Like there's all these things that I think are such cool skills and I've just been kind of accumulating them over time. Again, this is why podcasting is cool. Being able to speak, well, that's, uh, that's ironic that I stumbled over that, but I just think it's very cool to accumulate different skills and different things and just be able to be competitive, be good at lots of stuff is something that has always kind of drove, drove me.
1: So you have two siblings, right? Yes. What, to what extent does competition with your uh, siblings yeah. drive your, so my,
0: my sister was an incredible runner growing up, like really, really fast. And she's two or three years older than me. And I, Obviously, she, I took like a while to grow into my body a little bit. So she remained faster than me for a long time. And I definitely, there was a moment where I went on a run where I finally realized that, like, oh, wow, I was faster than her. So that drove me for a lot. And then, of course, when you have a younger brother, that's someone just pushing you from behind. He quickly became faster than me, like, also played soccer. They both played soccer. So I was being pulled by my sister and pushed by my brother. So obviously, there's some competitive juices there. I mean, it's always been very, like, love. Like, we never truly, truly went at it, but those are two massive forces on the yeah. competitive. Was it drive. like a Gronkowski household? Uh, yeah. Not as much uh, body mass, but <laughs> as much competitiveness for sure.
1: So there might be people out here listening to this being like, I'm listening, I'm hearing Toby and he's running marathons. He's solving Rubik's cube. So what would you, what's like one piece of advice you would give to someone who maybe runs three miles, um, exercises three days a week, but they look at something like a marathon or even a half marathon and they get super intimidated. You know what? From someone who yeah. does not get intimidated by that, like what would you tell them? Ooh.
0: I'm going to give really counterintuitive advice. Cause typically the advice would be like, go at your own pace, like just do what you can do on a daily basis. And which obviously that's great advice, but I actually think set an incredibly outlandish goal for yourself where this was my first marathon. I tried to break three hours in it. I, I didn't know if I could, like that's a pretty hard, it's six fifties per mile. And I think by setting that goal, you just end up rising to that. And so I think if your goal is to just get off the couch a little more, set like a crazy 5k time or a race time and use that as like the, the carrot in front of you, because I, I just swear, once you frame the goal in your mind, you frame the mentality that I'm going to achieve this, your training will like, you'll just pull yourself along. Um, yeah, which is not the advice that you'd probably hear. Most people say, like, if you run one mile, then run two yeah. miles and then three miles. But that will that will take care of itself once you have, like, the goal in place, I think.
1: All right, I've got some rapid-fire questions to, to end our uh, little segment here. Um, so we talked about you becoming, you know, pretty adept at a lot of different things. What is one thing that you, if you could become elite at instantaneously, but you suck at right now, what would it be? Oh,
0: I think it would be being able to step into a kitchen environment and open a fridge and just know how the ingredients were together. Just like throw a dish together. I think that is so cool to just understand just like the science behind it, like how flavors interact, how to layer flavors. And I've watched a lot of cooking videos. I've done a lot of cooking and I know, I'm, I'm going to, spoiler alert, I'm going to ask you about cooking coming in the next half of the show, but the ability to step into a scenario, open a fridge and just whip something up, I think would be the coolest thing to have in the back pocket.
1: All right, what is the worst investment decision you've ever made?
0: Okay, so I accidentally bought so many shares of Sherman Williams. This was, this was back in college where I read something about how like home improvements booming or something like that. And Sherman Williams is well positioned to actually the paint company. Yeah. The paint company. And so I tried to buy like 10 shares of it. I accidentally bought $40,000 worth of Sherwin Williams stock. I bought it on the margin. Cause like, clearly I didn't have that on my account. I was in college. And so I get margin called basically and so like quickly have to like sell it off like blah 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 luckily it went up like the next day but here's that actually wasn't the worst investment decision sherwin-williams has absolutely crushed it. the pandemic happened and like paint became this huge industry because home improvement if i had just not if i had held the bag if i had like paid the margin uh like interest on it i it would have been worth like five times what it was. And instead I like panic sold it all back. So it was two bad investment decisions in the span of 24 hours and all my friends constantly, whenever they see a Sherwin Williams story, they go like Sherwin Williams, Toby. All
1: right. That's for our listeners. You got to tease Toby about, uh, Sherwin Williams. -Williams, Yes. All right. Two more. Is there a piece of art, whether it's a book song painting that
0: has stuck with you or is especially important to you? (sighs) It's, it's probably book. Um, I, I really, I grew up like reading, Tons of tons of books. Um, the one that's most recently stuck with me is probably this sci- science fiction book, Foundation. And it's one of those things. I often joke about this, where like sometimes you read something and you're like, "There's no way that person has the same brain that I have." Because like, how can they piece together something so incredibly complex? How does this just? emerge out of them i guess that's another skill that i'd love to have just like that ability to create these incredibly intricate stories so probably yeah like foundation or dune some of those like og og science fiction books uh just really i don't know make me romantic about like the ability to tell stories all right. Final
1: question. You have, you you have a kid. Okay. In the future. And you put in front of them, a tennis racket, a soccer ball, a golf club, a baseball bat, a basketball, a football, or a hockey stick, which one do you hope they pick up first? Oh,
0: I think it's gotta be golf. Honestly, just because like, what a great thing to share with your child. Like it, I think golfing, I, you and I both love golf so much. It's obviously just like the worst mental sport out of all those, but even more so than soccer, like the fact that you can share golf with, with like your kid for so many years. I think actually it's just a really beautiful thing. So I hope they pick up the golf club. Neil, great questions. Oh my gosh. You told me you had some good ones prepared, but you're, you're fantastic. I think we should
1: just end the pod. I don't think I could, you were so compelling. I don't think I could be near as interesting as you.
0: That was fantastic. That was the first half of our show. Uh, before we jump into me interviewing Neil, we're going to take a quick break. All right, Neil, it is my turn. You were a fantastic interviewer, um, but I now want to learn about you and your story. So we kind of started with me about how I ended up at the brew. I would love to hear about your brew origin story because yours truly goes back to the beginning. And I'm just going to add a little bit of context, but you actually weren't Alex and Austin's first choice, were you? No, I'll get to that. Okay.
1: But, uh, just like you, I graduated college, University of Maryland in 2013, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was like, like, I like reading and writing, but I don't think I'm that good at it. Uh, So I taught for a year in North Carolina, and then I went to uh, Temple University for master's in uh, geography and urban planning, because that is a passion of mine. I just love walking around cities and learning about spatial features and looking at maps and geography. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll pursue that as a profession. So I did that for one year, and um, I just saw a LinkedIn post by Alex Lieberman saying they were looking for not a writer, but a content creator. (laughs) That was the words. And uh, for their newsletter, which was called Morning Brew. And uh, I had heard of Morning Brew through some mutual friends. Um, I did not know anything about business. I did not know what an IPO was. I did not know who Warren Buffett was or why he was famous. Um, I kind of hated all of the business school students who were my friends because they didn't have a class on Friday. And I was like, you guys don't learn anything. Um, you know, what are you doing doing business? You know, you can just kind of learn that on your own. And I just didn't really have any intellectual interest in it, but I read the newsletter and I just thought to myself, like I could do this a little bit better than it is now. Um, I grew up watching Colbert Report and you know people making the news interesting and fun for people, and that just kind of synced up with what I thought I was kind of good at and what I really loved doing. So I just emailed Alex and said, you know, I think I could do this. I'm gonna apply, and I went through the application process. Um, And I did not get it initially. (laughs) I did not get it. They went with another guy and I just remember getting that email feeling pretty deflated. Um, and I just emailed Alex back super nice. note. I guess this is a lesson to just be kind of cordial, even in reject, even in rejection and just said, yep, I'll be around, you know, uh, get in contact if you want. Um, and then apparently they couldn't reach a deal with the other guy. And so they called me up and then I got to work with uh, my friend who was writing the newsletter at the time, Mike Schwartz. And, uh, we started cranking out newsletters for the next six years. It's crazy. Yeah. Wait, so this was 27 summer of 2017. It's yeah.
0: wild. Neil has been at the morning brew for, since like almost the very beginning, kind of crazy. Um, that, that is just an incredible story. I can't imagine how different your life would be and then also how different Morning Brew would be yeah. because your fingerprints are all over this company, basically. Maybe,
1: I guess. Yeah. Uh, it is crazy. I, th- I just feel like it's a dream job and I can't imagine doing anything else. And it just if I hadn't seen that LinkedIn post, you know, yeah. it's just so crazy. Like you can't, I guess it's a good lesson and just kind of things won't come to you. You know, you have to go out and get them. And I never would have worked here and my life would have been uh, probably way worse <laughs> than it, than it has been. Uh, if I just hadn't, you know, took and taken a little initiative and, you know, followed up with Alex in that particular way. Yeah. Um, so it's just been a huge gift.
0: Yeah. Awesome story. But let's, remove a little bit from the brew universe, talk about you and your personality a little bit. So two things that some people might not know about you is one, you love classical music and then two, you also love cooking. And so these are two, I, I love these two interests because they're very, you can, you can cook while listening to classical music. It's great. But I do actually want you to talk about like, where does, where does that come from? Like, Cause like you actually are a person who has many interests, like similar to me. And so where do kind of like these more intense hobbies or come from? uh,
1: Classical music has been a big part of my life since I was a young person. (laughs) Three years old, my mom signed me up for piano, uh, classical piano. And uh, our, our town, Longmeadow High School in Longmeadow, Massachusetts, had a really good orchestra with a very good conductor. And my mom was like, you need to play an instrument to eventually be in this orchestra. So my mom was like, Really adamant that I play uh, an orchestra instrument, so she signed me up for cello in addition to piano, and I would hate it. Like I would yeah. cry. I would I would sit in the car and just cry, not going into you know early early cello lessons. And she would just be like, You're, "You'll thank me later. You'll thank me later. You'll thank me later." And then eventually got to the point where I started practicing because I enjoyed it, not practicing because my teacher would hate me. Um, And so when I got to high school, um, I, I mean, I should say, I am not good at... I'm very mediocre at piano, and I am not particularly good at cello but being in the orchestra I have all all my friends were in orchestra we played at Carnegie Hall we played at Boston Symphony Hall and so I kind of just fell in love with the music um while while playing uh in the orchestra and you know all my good friends are we ate we (laughs) I shouldn't admit this but we ate in the band room uh in high school and lunch (laughs) because you just yeah we were just like hanging out and uh you know I love that uh and and we were just all uh yeah you could go on the computer there that was a big thing
0: yeah but then what about the cooking aspect too? I don't know.
1: I, I don't also, I would should say I'm not, I
0: don't think I'm, for how much I cook. You're a pretty good cook. Actually. I'm okay. You do a lot of different dishes, which is more than I can say. For
1: me, cooking and food is like a aperture into other cultures. And that's the part that's so interesting to me. When I travel, I drag people along to really weird places where I can eat really weird food. I don't think I, there's any food that I wouldn't eat. Like I, eat you know brains testicles uh <laughs> worms you know whatever it is i for some time. reason i'm just kind of gravitated to that and yeah. i uh, a big inspiration for me was uh andrew zimmern on bizarre foods oh, and so he goes out of his way to eat really weird foods and he uses it as a way of saying look we have all these things in common yeah. uh, between cultures and so i you know when I love going to markets whenever I'm in a city, um, to like really hole in the wall, uh, places. So I,
0: you know, I really love traveling and I think food is just kind of a vehicle for that. It's kind of famous around the brew, how much you do work. Cause you are now running this daily podcast. You've been at the helm of the newsletter for the last five or six years. You do, you have very long nights. You do not take a lot of days off. Do you kind of take a step back and think and realize like how much you're working and then what kind of drives you and kind of propels you to do as much work as you do. Yeah. I think if I reflected on it, I, it would freak me out.
1: Right. It would freak me out. So I try not to do that. Um, I think a big reason for it is look, I'm single. I don't have kids. I don't have like responsibilities other than myself. And I think if I had all of those you know, a family in my life, I would, I think I would absolutely work less or find ways to work less. But for the past six years, I've just kind of devoted myself to this work. And I think a large reason for that is that I really enjoy it. Like yeah. maybe in my spare time, I, even in my spare time, I was reading the news and writing, you know, and now I get paid for it and now I get paid to talk about it. So <laughs> these are all things that I was kind of doing on my free time anyway, and now I'm getting paid for it and I'm not, it's not, as romantic as it sounds but um so so i think the type of work kind of leads itself to working really hard and just the family i come from i don't want to call out my parents but like they worked a lot of hours, uh, and they still do. Like my mom is like, you should stop working. And I'm just like, you're still working. <laughs> you're working. Like, what are you doing? What are you telling me not to? Yeah. So I come from a family of, uh, mostly workaholics where we were just kind of like grinding, t- doing stuff we liked for, for many hours over the course of the day. And so it just feels natural for me. Yeah. And when I have an evening where I'm just like, you know, or, or a day where there's not, you know, I don't have work. It kind of feels a little weird to me.
0: Yeah. I,
1: I, That's extremely unhealthy.
0: No, but it uh, honestly, I it is inspiring, and I think it's one of the reasons why you've been like a leader at Morning Brew for so long is that it's very easy to look at you and say like Neil is putting in the hours. Neil is putting in the hours, but also producing a great product. So it's always been something that like motivates me as like Mm. your partner in crime, Um, just your your work ethic. But then a follow up to that is you are knee deep in the news cycle every day for the last yes yeah, six years. How have you kind of combated burnout? And then also do you ever feel like it weighs on you a little bit? Cause a lot of people associate news yeah. with negativity and there's just like so much heavy stuff that you kind of have to parse through you. When you navigated an entire pandemic, you've navigated like election cycles. Do you ever feel like that's weighing on you or do you just kind of power
1: through it? Um, I don't feel burnout, Um, I get excited every morning to wake up and do the newsletter or talk about it on the pod, because every day something's different. And that's mm. what I love about the news is you wake up and you're like, who, who knows what's going to happen today? Apple reports earnings, but who the heck knows what they're going to say? Uh, who knows what bank is going to fail? Who knows uh, you know, what Jerome Powell is going to say? Who knows what's going to happen across the world? Um, there's like so many interesting things happening all at once. So it never feels repetitive. Uh, there's always people writing interesting things that you can draw on. Uh, there's Always arguments being had uh, that are really interesting to draw it. So it never gets boring for me. I think it's the nature of the job is that you report on the news and the news is new. So everything's interesting. Um, When there are times where it gets really intense, like I'm thinking January 6th, the beginning of the pandemic, um, various mass shootings have have happened. Um, You know, fortunately for Morning Brew, it is a business newsletter and we are not, our mandate is not necessarily to cover all this intense breaking news all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's helped me, my mental health, not having to like, you know, I'm not a journalist going out to these places. And I can imagine how that would have a huge toll on people's mental health or burnout or anything. So I'm, you know, our position is very fortunate. Uh, I, I think it's kind of like you just go and, you know, when, when something like January 6th happened or something happens really late at night, like there was the Trump indictment, you just kind of, yeah, you don't, I don't know if I, if I would call it powering through, but you're just like work-geared comes yeah. in. And I, I don't want to compare myself to a doctor in any way, because what they're doing is like infinitely crazier than what I'm doing. But you know, it's just like, okay, I'm assessing the problem and I know I have to deliver this product. So that part of your brain kind of kicks in and, and you just kind of write what yeah. whatever you have to do, even if it's 11 PM, 4 AM, whatever, hap- whatever yeah. it is, you just, uh, that part of your brain kicks in.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you've had more reps than anyone. <laughs> That's for dang sure. I've seen you navigate these scenarios and it is impressive. Um, okay. Final question before we get into a couple of rapid fire questions as well if you didn't end up at the brew i know this is hard to speculate but chart another life path for me if you will like if no brew never existed where do you think neil Fryman would would be sitting right now it's really i
1: i don't know man i don't know like i I, i was on jeopardy at age 10
0: that is did i find that clip because it is so good neil was on kid jeopardy had some buzzer issues, but you yeah. we were right in it. Yeah. But what I, the reason I bring that up is Alex
1: asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up and I said a teacher. Yeah. And I think in, I don't know if I would be a professor, or an academic, because when I was doing my master's, um, I just looked at what you had to do to get a PhD and go into academia and you had to really focus on one minutia, one such a specific problem. And that's not the way my brain works, which is why we're both doing this is because we like talking about everything from like, you know... <laughs> Space to uh, banking failures yeah. to health, whatever it is. So that just did not seem like it comported with me. But I could see my in another life. I could see myself as a you know a high school teacher. Um, it, it's a similar skill set. Right. I love interacting with kids, and I was a council, camp counselor for many years, um, and that brought me a lot of joy and satisfaction. And I still have those relationships today. So that is not an unreasonable thing. I think for me, yeah.
0: In a way, you you are a teacher. In a way, like it it sounds a little cheesy to say, but like you are truly educating people, more people than you ever would as a teacher, both on air and in the newsletter now. So I do think it's weird how life kind of yeah charts a, a, a different course, but it takes you at a place that you, you might recognize. Okay, couple of rapid fire questions. You could have four houses anywhere in the world. Tell oh. me where they would be and then what like type of house they would be as well. Ugh. All right. Can I... This is my dream. This is what I want. <laughs> Talk to me.
1: This is... I want four houses in different... So I would... I, I don't have specific regions or places in mind but i would approach it very strategically i would want a beach house i would want a mountain slash lake house i would want a farmhouse, and then i would want a city house (laughs) so so like i want to spread my wings there so maybe you can't get a better city than new york so maybe like a penthouse in you know soho or east village or something like that um I would, I would do maybe like a farmhouse in Italy. Oh, I'm thinking like, yeah, like call me by your name (laughs) (laughs) that like that homestead right there. I want, I would want that beach. I mean, (sighs) Florida. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's so many good beaches in the world. Maybe like a, a Goa, Italy, Goa, India. Wow. I'm just assuming that I can board a PJ and get on these all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Money is of no object. So I'm thinking, um, yeah, a beach, maybe oh, maybe a Southeast Asia, like a Fiji or a, a place over there. Um, and then what was the other one? A lake mountain house. Oof. It's tough to beat like, you know, Colorado or Wyoming yeah. or Western Canada. Good for training. Or, or the Alps or... Or like rural Tokyo or like rural Japan sounds unbelievable.
0: Man, we got to, we got to make this happen for me. Yeah, we need about a a million more listeners, but we can, we can make (laughs) this happen for sure. So everyone share a friend so Neil can live out his dream. Um, Okay, Neil, I know you watch a couple of shows. You're a big succession guy. Is there one TV show that you wish you could have been in the writer's room or been a showrunner for, or like influence the direction it went in any way? Like what's your idea? Ideal writer's room that you want, you would have loved to sit in. Seinfeld. Oh, easy,
1: easy, easy. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my humor. I'm the the neurotic Jewish New York (laughs) guy. Uh, So I, you know, my friends and I actually like spend time like creating Seinfeld, and my dad too. We all spend time thinking of Seinfeld plots. Anyway, so uh, you know, I think I did one during the. You did one. It was really good, actually. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I was driving and thinking of a of a Seinfeld script, and I, I don't think I'm particularly good at it, but I would love to have. I, I just think it's super genius and the writing and the, the way these, they all come together and the way they observe, uh, you know, every A interactions. That's something I love, you know, thinking about. Yeah. Um, and what else was I going to say about Seinfeld? Yeah. The way their plots interweave and come together and, and the, their innuendo, right? Like they, a lot of other shows kind of talk about sex and use swears all the time. And the way that Seinfeld delicately goes around, like really, you know, sensitive subjects, I'm thinking like the contest and faking it, things like that. Yeah. The way they, you know, kind of Go indirectly into it, but they you kind of get it, and by their insinuations, I thought it was particularly genius.
0: You would have thrived in that writing room for sure. Okay, final question because we're coming up on time here, but I'm going to just bookend this nicely with talking about the podcast again. What is one thing that our listeners who aren't behind the scenes would be surprised to know about the way Morning Brew Daily works, how the operation runs? Like, give us, give them one last tidbit to walk away with. Um. Whew.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of work and research goes into just the twenty minutes that you're hearing. Right? Is that for sure? Is that what you're thinking? I mean, yeah, we we spend two hours each morning reading the newsletter or, or reading the news and prepping points that we maybe just spend five seconds talking about. And our we have an amazing team behind us that is putting together graphics and queuing up all of this social content that you know takes what we do and then puts it out on social media on Instagram and TikTok after and that is how so many people discover us. I've heard, I've heard people say, I saw you on Instagram or I saw you on TikTok," And that, that's how I know you even have a podcast in yeah. the first place. So it's all of these, all of these things that go into this one little 20 minute segment. So it's, it's kind of like that, you know, tip of the iceberg kind of thing. For
0: sure. Yeah. I, that's what I was going to say yeah. is our control room is unbelievable. And just shout out to everyone back yes. there. There's so many TVs back there, so many knobs that we don't know what's going on. <laughs> so I think that's the coolest behind the scenes yeah. act is like, we have this awesome control room. Yes, we have a great team behind us. Yep. All right. And that team is also wow. telling us we are running out of time. So this was a very fun episode. Um, I, Neil, we spend a lot of time together, but it is always yeah. good to sit down and get to know each other yeah. even a little better. I'm so
1: glad to not talk about myself for the next uh, <laughs> year. Yeah. Are we do in doing our next Memorial Day interview.
0: There you go. So thanks for tuning in. This was our special Memorial Day episode. And we'll be back tomorrow with a normal programming.